world, this is the Fanatic Podcast. I'm Parker Grilecki, a.k.a. the Fanatic, and with me as always is my broadcast partner, Dad, a.k.a. Ryan Grilecki. I've got a passion for all things sports. So, on the Fan and Fanatic Podcast, we'll talk to anyone and everyone from all over the world of sports who will sit still long enough to answer my questions. That's right. Now, as a result of complications from severe brain damage at birth, unfortunately, Parker will never be able to physically play sports. But that cannot and has never stopped him from loving everything about sports and dreaming of a career in broadcasting. So each of our guests graciously gives of their time on this podcast to invest in Parker's dream and to help him be part of the sports world he loves so dearly. Now, let's play ball! Welcome back, Fanatic Addicts, to another high-octane episode of the Fan and Fanatic Podcast. It's my absolute honor to introduce my guest today, Mr. Ken Potasnack. So, Ken, first off, why don't you start everyone by telling who you are, where you're from, and your connection to the world of sports? Well, well Parker, I'm excited to be on with you. And uh, sort of my world of sports uh, began as a college player at Randolph-Macon College, which is right outside of Richmond, Virginia. And Randolph-Macon has had a, uh, an outstanding small college program there for 50 years now. And uh, when I left Randolph-Macon, I really wanted to get into the coaching profession and uh, was able to do that. And uh, along the way, I had stops at uh, the Citadel, Furman University, Wake Forest University, uh, South Carolina, Auburn, and uh, East Carolina University. So I, I had about 29 years in uh, the Southeast coaching at uh, a lot of great schools and had a chance to recruit a lot of great guys along the way. War Eagle. So what did you do at Auburn? Like, what was your position at Auburn? So uh, at Auburn, as well as all the other schools I just mentioned, uh, I was the assistant basketball coach and, um, uh, you know, did that for uh, a number of universities and uh, Auburn being one, obviously. Yes. My mother's my mother's whole side of the family are Auburn fans, actually. So nice. Nice. Well, War Eagle. And we find and let and I'm glad we finally got rid of. The uh, we we finally got rid of, you know, the guy. Well, I, Brian Harson. Oh, I can't believe I said his name. Well, I I will tell you, uh, Parker. I'm very pro coach, and uh, uh, I really know what goes into coaching profession. And uh, uh, you know, I know that from a football side, I've always watched football a lot, especially by. When you coach basketball in the Southeast and you coach basketball in the SEC, you have a chance to see a, a lot of great football and get to know a lot of the great football coaches out there. And uh, they uh, they have a lot on them. And uh, sometimes the leash is short, which, which they say. And um, I'm sure that uh, it'll quickly get turned around with Coach Freeze and, uh, and Auburn will be back into a point where they w- would like to be again. What do you do now? So now uh, I think you know some friends of mine because they they reached out to me. Dylan uh, Evans, right? 
Yeah, Dylan's a great friend, and Danny Downing, and and really all the uh, all the staff there at Johnson Ferry. Uh, years ago, when I was at uh, Furman University in the 1990s, coaching, uh, I started basketball camps in the Atlanta area, and uh, with Johnson Ferry being one of the um, one of our first spots for one of our first locations in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. So. Uh, uh, my father and I uh, started basketball camps that we still run in the Atlanta area. We have 11 locations in Atlanta, and we also run them in uh, North Carolina and South Carolina in, in some of the areas where I coached before. So uh, still enjoy uh, coaching, uh, really enjoy coaching the younger players now, get a lot of enjoyment out of that. It's it's very different than uh, uh, coaching in the SEC or ACC. It's a different dynamic. Uh, but get a tremendous amount of joy from that and uh, and working with great people like uh, Dylan and Danny and the staff at Johnson Ferry, um, as well as the other local churches in Atlanta. So you mentioned you coached at Furman. Was, were they ever known as the Furman University Christian Knights, or is that just some college lore? Well, Parker, I tell you what, that's, that is a great question. Uh, I, when I went to Furman, I figured out what a paladin was. A paladin was a knight on a horse, <laughs> but, uh, you'd have to look up the, the true definition of that, but that that's a possibility. Furman's, uh, Furman's a great institution. It's been around a lot of years. So that's, that's, uh, that's a definite possibility. I think you, you got that figured out. Maybe the re- I feel like I know why they changed their name to paladins. If you think of the acronym, I'm not going to say it because we're going to get demonetized. Anyways, all right, mo- moving on. What is your favorite thing about coaching? My favorite thing about coaching is the relationships that uh, I had a chance to make with uh, the players uh, and the guys that I worked with. And and along the way, those relationships and uh you know, relationships with the people in media or, you know, people that you recruited, but maybe that went other places or just the uh, the people to people type relationships that you build throughout all those years. And coaching is a, a was a really, really uh, fun thing for me. And um, and then seeing a lot of young people go and uh, become professionals in life. A lot of them became professionals on the court. But uh, I was always uh, more concerned about seeing them become professionals in life and watching those guys grow and, uh, you know, find their way uh, after basketball. I kind of have a hardball question for you. Do you did you have a favorite place that you coached? Uh, Favorite place that I coached? I tell you what, I loved coaching at the Citadel, uh, which is the military college of South Carolina. Yep. Uh, It was uh, one of my first stops. But uh, I always valued uh, uh, so many of the things there and so many of the relationships that I built there. Uh, certainly was great, you know, coaching in the SEC and ACC and uh, a lot of stops along the way. But uh, the Citadel, uh, the city of Charleston, uh, really uh, and really coached some outstanding players during that era, and all of whom have gone on to do great things. Uh, that's that was a special place uh, being able to coach at the Citadel. Here's kind of a two-part question for you. Um, yeah. Part one: What is your favorite stadium or arena that you visited during your like as a coach? 
favorite arena they visited. Um, like for an away game or a neutral site game? Yeah, I, I tell you, you know, can't Cameron Indoor Stadium at Duke uh, uh, because of just the uh, uh, the closeness, 7,000 fans right on top of you. Uh, it was a it was a special place to go play at Duke. But, you know, playing uh, at the Smith Center uh, in front of 24,000 people, 23,000 at a much bigger venue uh, in Chapel Hill uh, certainly comes to mind as well. Uh, but as, as you go through each league, it doesn't matter if you're in the Southern Conference or playing in a small college uh, in a, a rivalry environment. Every time you walk into a rivalry-like opponent, uh, and walk into their gym, uh, it sort of leaves a mark on you. So, uh, you know, was really fortunate to go into a lot of different buildings and different leagues. Uh, but you know, those are two that sort of stick out, uh, because their fan base and, uh, you know, because of just the uh, traditions of both those programs and arenas. So how have you seen basketball change over the years? Uh, you know, basketball, uh, that's a great question, Parker. Uh, you know, basketball, the biggest change over the years uh, is, I think, the growth of the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, you know, basketball uh, uh, was certainly popular, but uh, nowhere near where it is today because of the NCAA tournament in March Madness. And, uh, you know, basketball is leading into March and leading into uh, sort of a period of uh, uh, late winter, uh, early spring that in most parts of the country is a little colder. People aren't outside yet. Uh, football's over. Baseball quite hasn't started. Uh, and it, it falls in that, that month-long period where everybody gets so excited to maybe even for the first time uh, in a year, watch uh, uh, watch some games or watch their new favorite team. Uh, just watching the NCAA tournament grow and uh, you know the revenue that it's uh, just built uh, for the NCAA and, and for the you know the Division One institutions. Uh, watching that grow has been uh, a huge change from where it was 30 years ago, certainly from a, a monetary standpoint. Uh, and now with uh, the, the NIL and, uh, you know, players getting paid for their name, image, and likeness uh, over the last you know, two to three years here, that's certainly a, uh, a huge, huge change uh, from the past uh, in, in terms of, you know, what players can get and what they could receive and so forth. So a uh, lot of changes uh, in, in, I think most of those changes, Parker, sort of revolves around money uh, in the biggest changes in the game over the years. So did you ever coach a team in the tournament? Like when you were coaching, have you ever made it to the tournament? Yeah, I was able in small college to play in a tournament and uh, coach several uh, teams in the NCAA tournament. And uh, those are those are special times and certainly, uh, you know, things that you always remember. So um, so you did get to coach in March Madness. Yes. Which yeah. te so tell me how that was like. Did you get to coach against like some of the great coaches like, I don't know, um, hold on, Mike Krzyzewski or... Uh, uh, Dean Smith or 
Roy Williams or Jim Beheim or any of those guys? Did you get to coach against them? So, uh, you know, when when you're in certain leagues, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, when you're in the ACC, when I was at Wake Forest, we played against, you know, the North Carolinas and the Dukes. Uh, and even if you're uh, in a smaller setting like East Carolina, sometimes you play the North Carolina and Dukes and Syracuse's uh, in what they call non-league games. Yep. So, you know, I had the chance to do that. And uh, in the NCAA tournament, uh, uh, to go to the Sweet 16, actually in Atlanta, in the first tournament I had a chance to be a part of, uh, Alabama beat us uh, in a very close game. And uh, I know you, uh, you're a, a you're a history guy as it comes to sports. I can tell that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old building before uh, Phillips Arena. The Omni, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you got Which it. Which then was turned into a hotel. If the, I. Uh, the Omni, uh, the Omni was, I guess, turned into a hotel potentially there, and uh, but that was the venue in the eight, late eighties, early nineties. And uh, remember uh, playing Alabama in a really close game and losing to Alabama. And uh, Alabama had five five of their starters all played in the NBA, so there was a, a, a talent. A talentful era there and where most guys stayed in college, uh, you know, uh, the full four years back then. Did you get to coach like did you get like in your coaching career? Did you get to coach like like any of the modern of like the some of the current NBA stars? So uh, along the way, I think there was probably 10 different guys uh, that uh, that I coached on the bench and was on with ended up making an NBA team at some point. Most of those guys have retired. Uh, uh, most of the times, most of the guys' uh, NBA careers were very, very short, a lot shorter than uh, than you would ever think. So um, did have the opportunity to do that, and uh, uh, that's always great to see when guys have a chance to play at the highest level because, as you know, there's – there's only 30 teams and 450 players in the NBA. So anytime that you have a chance to uh, coach a few of those guys that make it to that level, uh, that's a special thing and certainly something for them that's uh, uh, not achieved very often by many guys. So, um, hold on, wait. Um, so, oh, shoot. I think I'm, um, so, sorry. Who was the most famous player that you coached? Do you know? I I think the the most famous player, um, the the guy who had the longest career, was a guy by the name of Rodney Rogers, uh, and he was at Wake Forest years ago, and uh, he played I think twelve to thirteen seasons in the NBA. But probably the most famous name that people will ever remember, and certainly should remember is a guy by the name of Randolph Childress. And Randolph Childress, uh, when it comes to the uh, NCAA tournament and ACC tournament every year, Randolph Childress uh, was a really, really special guard at Wake Forest to uh, really put Wake Forest on the map or back on the map, so to speak, uh, in the 1990s and uh, as he led uh, many of his teams deep into the NCAA tournament and uh, uh, was a uh, really, really special guard. He ended up being a first-round draft pick of the Detroit Pistons and played the NBA for a while and uh, had a great career 
overseas. So out of all your experiences, what was the greatest moment or memory? Greatest moment or memory? Yep. Uh, I think uh, the greatest moment, uh, anytime you win a championship, uh, is, is something that, uh, you always remember. And, uh, so I would say, uh, at South Carolina, uh, beating, uh, Michigan in the, uh, NIT final, um, and prior to that game beating Louisville in the semifinal, um, uh, and I guess it was 2005 is a special memory. And, uh, and at East Carolina, uh, in a smaller tournament, and you'll know this, maybe some of your listeners, but there's actually a, the NCAA tournament uh, that has 68 teams, obviously. Uh-huh. It generally has 32 uh, before they used to be 40. And then there's a third tournament called the CIT. Oh, yeah, the college. Oh, wait, the college basketball invitational. Uh, so I think maybe it's the College Insiders Tournament CIT. Uh, um, I, I don't know how they I don't know how they uh, you know sort of list that. But uh, uh, when we were at East Carolina, we had a chance uh, to play, and it played some great teams along the way. A really good Evansville team, and uh, had a chance to go out and uh, win the tournament uh, out in Utah uh, in in front of a huge crowd called Weber State, and uh, Weber State is uh, where Damian Lillard played. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fantastic basketball school on the top of a mountain in Utah. <laughs> and uh, But in, anytime you can win a championship, whether it's as a player or uh, when you can win the last game of your season, that doesn't happen often for very many teams. So I think uh, when you win the last game of your season, those are the things uh, from a uh, purely a basketball game perspective that you have a tendency to comes right to mind in terms of, uh, you know, special experiences. So you said in one of in one of your um, in one of the postseason tournaments, you played Louisville in the you beat Louisville in the championship and Wake Forest. No, you beat Wake Forest in the championship and Louisville to get to the championship. Is that right? Or do I have the order? Reversed. Yeah, you almost got it there. Louisville was in the semifinal game, and Michigan was the final game. And uh, so, and which team was this? Like, which team were you coaching at the time when this happened? We were at the University of South Carolina. Oh yes, the Gamecocks. Spurs up, right? Yeah, for the Gamecocks to beat up on uh, Louisville and Michigan, those are two basketball powerhouses. So. Um, to go and uh, beat both those teams in Madison Square Garden was a was a special was a special few days. So something you always remember. Spurs up, my friend. Spurs up. Spurs up. Well, you're uh, you're. Is it War Eagle or Spurs? I mean, what, like you, you must love the SEC. Oh, I'm a neutral fan. There's a long story behind that, if you don't mind. You're neutral. Well, why? Uh, I know this is your podcast asking the questions, but. What, why, what, what's the neutrality about? So, so there's a story behind this. If you don't, if you don't mind me. So anyhow, so I'm, so I'm an avid, so I live in Atlanta, as you know. Yeah. So I don't know if Danny Downing has told you this, but I'm a Choa Miracle Kid, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Okay. And because of this, I was able to, like, I was, 
or like, I don't know if Danny or Dylan has ever told you that, but anyways, okay, sorry, because, so because of my opportunities, um, a few, so like, as you know, I'm an avid, avid, avid sports fan, and so, um, a few years ago, I got to interview, like, I got to, like, I believe the Hawks, like, it was 2018, the final home game for the, the final game of the Atlanta Hawks before the big State Farm Arena renovation, any, and they were playing the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay. And I got to interview all the players, right? So at one point during one of the interviews, I turn into the ca- I turn, I look into the camera and I'm like, shout out to every NBA player, even you, LeBron, even though I've hated you for my life. So then the Hawks grabbed that clip, tweeted it to LeBron, and my dad told me that they had done this and I was demoralized. So my dad, you know, being the loving father he is, he tweeted LeBron and at, made sure, and made sure like if he was okay, like if he's seen the video, like 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 if he like if he was okay, if he had seen the video or, or if not. And then, but ever since then, I've been I I haven't picked favorites. Okay, well, hey, you know the one thing about the media, and I know that you're going to make it big. I can hear it in your voice. Okay. Yeah, like that's that's a thing for sports. Like for like if you work on a national sports radio state, like a national sport, like a national station like ESPN or CBS, you have to act like e- even though you might have a favorite team, you you have to act as if you're impartial. Yeah, I I I I, I think at times, but you know there are other times it seems like a lot of these people in media they're they're willing to take a side and they're willing to you know, talk about some certain hard things. That's why I asked you on the front end. I, w- I was afraid of the hard questions, but you, you've been pretty easy on me. So I guess you're being pretty neutral tonight. Thank you, sir. Oh, and here's the next question. Out of all the schools you coached, which one, yeah. like, like, which one, like, out of all, and out of all of the traditions done, like, like at those schools, which one is your favorite? Like, what, is, what do you think is your, like, what is your favorite tradition in college basketball? Or just any college, or just college sports in general? Well, um, you know, so like, and you coach at a military school. Uh Uh-huh. You have what they call the Corps of uh, Cadets, or Cadets if you're at VMI, or Cadets if you're at Citadel, or you have, you know, if you're at the Air Force or Naval Academy. Anytime that uh, the entire Corps attends a game, that is a really uh, special tradition. Maybe if you're, you know, working at a military school, um, if you're working at, uh, you know, some some other schools, there's tr- traditions that uh, within each school that uh, I think I've worked that are, uh, you know, special to that institution. But um, I think it was always uh, a special thing at the Citadel when uh, uh, the entire core would come to a basketball game. Uh, it was a great home court advantage. And, you know, to have, uh, you know, 2,000, every student on campus there, uh, that was special for our players and uh, always a uh, always a, a special game uh, when, when we would play uh, some of our rivals. So Kedet is an alternate pronunciation of cadet. Is that right? Uh, I think the Kedets are at VMI and they spell it K E Y D E T S for some reason. And, uh, uh, and I'm not sure what that is, but you knew about the Omni. So I think quickly you'll figure that out. I bet. Yeah. 
I don't know everything about sports, but I do know some things. I think you're on your way to knowing a whole heck of a lot. Well, 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 thank you very much, sir. Okay. Anyways, next question. Do you have a sport? Do you have a sporting event that is on your bucket list that you haven't attended yet? Uh, sporting event on, on my bucket list. Yep. Uh, the, there isn't really one, uh, that, that comes to mind. I enjoy all sports. I love, uh, I love college football. I love professional football too. And, uh, you know, there's not a better, better way on Saturday and to catch all the games in, in, in front of a, uh, in front of your TV with a lot of great food. So, uh, you know, the, uh, Saturday afternoons of college football, uh, are special. I went to so many, uh, games and participated in so many games. <laughs> they're hard to get to and they're hard to get around, uh, at times. So I prefer just checking out a lot of sports, whether it's golf or, College football or pro football, uh, I really enjoy watching those on TV, actually. Very cool. So any other stories you think our listeners would like to know? Um, the uh, Any special stories? Um, in what aspect? Give me an aspect and something will come to mind. Um, just, you know, anything, man. Like Anything? Yeah. Okay. Um, just the most interesting one you have. Maybe so, uh, uh, m- most of uh, the most interesting ones uh, way back, uh, you know, without cell phones uh, mm-hmm. and going on the road recruiting. Uh, very, very difficult because uh, when I was at the Citadel in the 90s uh, or at Furman in the late 90s, uh, anytime you'd, you'd have to uh, get to Ohio, most of those places or Indiana or a lot of the places that we were, we were recruiting, you know, those were all drives and there wasn't cell phones. So, uh, you know, a, a, a nine hour drive or a 10 hour drive to Ohio, it might end up being 13 hours because you'd have to stop at the rest stops and uh, have a lot of quarters and get on the phone uh, at times to check in with your boss and so forth. So uh, I just remember early in recruiting uh, at certain schools, uh, when you go back to the payphone days, recruiting was a lot, lot harder uh, to communicate with people. No text, uh, no cell phones. It was, uh, it was straight quarters into the, uh, uh, the payphone when you're on the road recruiting, which was uh, something that most younger coaches and younger people right now, they, they, they laugh at probably wouldn't even think about very much. Very interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. So on this podcast, we are all sports fanatics. So the last question we ask as a fan, what do you think is the all time greatest moment in sports? Uh, all time greatest moments uh, in sports to me, because I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler. I grew up in Pittsburgh is the immaculate reception. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bradshaw to Harris, it set the tone for uh, Pittsburgh Steeler football uh, for 50 years. Very interesting. It was, uh, you know, a special play uh, that sort of captivated uh, uh, the city and sort of uh, put a stamp on, um, you know, the team 
at that point, way, way back, I guess in the seventies. And, uh, the special thing about that is sometimes you have to get a little bit lucky and, uh, a lucky break can just put you, uh, on a path, uh, that, uh, you know, reaches, uh, unbelievable heights. So, uh, that I would, I would think that in my mind, just because I'm such a Steeler fan, that, uh, that would be, uh, that would be the number one. Great answer. Great answer. All right. Well, thank you for your time, my good sir. All right, fanatics. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Fan and Fanatic. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for all of your support. Don't forget to follow or subscribe or whatever your podcast app says to do. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. For my broadcast partner, Ryan Grilecki, this is Parker Grilecki saying, Game. Set. Match. Match.